Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 to 34. When he had come to the other side, to the country of Gergesenes, if you're reading another translation, it may say the Gadarenes, Gergesenes, Gadarenes, same place. There met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass by that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran wee, 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 to the end of the cliff, jumped into the sea, and perished in the water. That's so dark. Um, and those who kept them fled. They went away into the city and told them everything, including what happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, which is great, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. With God's help, I want to preach to you for a few moments on this subject. The cost of deliverance. The cost of deliverance. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, you're here. Hallelujah. Move, I pray, by your spirit. Touch us by your power. God, I pray that you'd have your way. Have your way tonight. There are people, Lord, here that are in desperate need of your touch. Jesus, have free rule and reign, God, in this room and over every heart. I pray manifest your power and your presence. Oh, we love you, Jesus, and we want to see you, God, high and lifted up in this room. Touch us, we pray, by the power of your name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. This is a really weird story in the Bible. There's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them that are weird, uh, if we're just going to be honest. But this one is extra special. It's this amazing and perplexing story of Jesus in the middle of Matthew's miracle section. Jesus is performing a whole bunch of miracles and the ministry of Jesus' miracles was to testify of the truth of Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. It call, follows the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 where Jesus is teaching and proclaiming the truth of his kingdom to the crowds. He's telling the world what it would be like if they would make him their king. He's describing the world and he's talking about what human life could be like if people would give Jesus their all and they would just follow him and so he comes down off of the mountain and he begins to work miracles that are to testify they're to bring veracity they are to bring evidence that Jesus is telling the truth and that Jesus is telling us who he is to testify of the truth of his teaching and his word. These miracles are not just because he is compassionate. 
They are not just because he is moved with the feelings of the infirmities of people. No, the ministry of miracles is to testify of the truth of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you this, when I have adopted this attitude in my own life, I have found that when I make miracles not about my life improvement, but about being a living testimony of the truth of Jesus, we can open up the windows of heaven and we can experience more and more and more of God. That has nothing to do with my message. It's just, it's, that's, I guess that's free. You can journal that later. So since coming down the mountain, Jesus has healed a leper. The leper calls him Lord. He heals a centurion's servant. The centurion confesses that Jesus has residing with inside of him, commanding authority. He heals Peter's mother and she rises to serve him. And then it says, many demon-possessed were delivered and healed. And then there is this break in this miracle discourse following the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches us the cost of discipleship. He says, if you want to be my disciple... You have to forsake all, and you have got to follow me. If you want to come after me, you've got to give up your whole life, and you've got to follow me. If you want all of these things that I have just taught, and if you want to experience all of this power that I have just demonstrated, there must be a cross that you carry, a life that you surrender, where you no longer follow yourself, you follow your dreams, you follow your desires, but you follow after me. And then Jesus jumps in a boat. The storm breaks out. He performs this miracle of speaking to the winds and the waves. He goes, peace, be still. And the disciples go, who is this guy? They seem oblivious to his identity. He has taught the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. He's healed a whole bunch of people. He's controlled the weather. Those who are closest to him don't seem to know who he is, but those who we're about to see that are furthest away seem to understand who Jesus is right away. And their obliviousness to his identity is ironic considering who meets him next. And all of a sudden, after all this stuff, I've just said, Sermon on the Mount, Ministry of Miracles, people that were possessed were delivered and healed. Take up your cross, follow me, deny yourself, follow me, jump in a boat, winds, waves. Now they find themselves the shores of Gergesenes or the Gadarenes. It says, when Jesus arrived, reading from the New Living Translation, Romans 8, 28-29, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes or Gergesenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. And they began screaming at him. Why are you interfering with us, Son of God? Have you come to torture us before God's appointed time? They see Jesus on the beach, and they run, and they fall, they confess his lordship. And these demon-possessed men, the text tells us, they lived among the tombs. And they were so fierce, they were so violent, they were so disturbed, that the entire region was prevented from going into the area in which they lived. This meant that that whole community of people, this whole town, was blocked from progress. Blocked access. Bound up the town. Stop travel. 
No one could go and develop or build a new neighborhood. No one could go and move their family and start a new family farm. No one, the city could not go and carve out a new road and they could put up new little uh, you know, shops or stalls where merchants could come. They could not develop economically. They could not develop their family. There was just a whole section of the Gergesenes or the Gadarenes that was completely cut off because of these demon-possessed men. And these men, they run to Jesus and they fall at his feet. And the demon spirits, they know what is coming. They know what Jesus is about to do. They've heard it through the grapevine that this is what he does when he runs into people like them. And these men are at the feet of the only Son of God. God manifests in flesh and he has all power. And Jesus has all authority and they cannot resist. All they can do is beg. They are powerless to fight. And so they say to Jesus in verse 30, it says there's a good way off. There was a herd of many swine. The demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of the swine. They said, Jesus, cast us into the pigs. I thought that was a strange thing. Why pigs? Well, we know from the understanding of the Old Testament that pigs were unclean. And pigs were dirty. They were filthy. It was common sense why God told them not to eat pork in those days. There was no refrigeration. Worms, food poisoning. I've had trichinosis before. Totally not fun. It made perfect sense what Jesus would say, or why God would say in the Old Testament, stay away from the pork chops and the ribs and the bacon, unfortunately. And now, thankfully, we're on this side of Calvary. You know, the doors have been opened to us. But also, it's not just for their own safety. God wanted his people to be separate. And so he, he said, this thing for you is unclean. And so when the demons wanted to be cast into something, it makes sense. They wanted to be cast into something dirty like them. And so Jesus said, all right, go. And they came out. He ran into a herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into a sea and into the water. Jesus casts out the evil spirits and the pigs, you know, like we said earlier, they wee-wee-wee all the way off the cliff and jump into a lake and drown. This is a dramatic scene at the end of a set of very dramatic chapters in Gospel of Matthew. The scripture says, now this whole time, while Jesus is conversing with legions of evil spirits, casting them out into pigs. The pigs are running down the hill, off the cliff, into the lake, drowning to their death. At this whole time, leaning on their shovels, no doubt mouths hanging open, watching this whole thing, were the pig farmers. And they flip out. They lose their minds. They freak. It says in verse 33 that those who kept them fled. And they went away into the city and they told everything, including what happened to the demon-possessed men. I imagine these guys, they see the pigs jump off the cliff. They drop their shovels and they're running. They're huffing. They're puffing. They run into the town square and they just start yelling unintelligible things like people do and they panic. They're just going, they're dead. They're dead. The pigs, they're all dead. And people are like, calm down, man. What is happening? And they said, the pigs are dead. They're all dead, totally dead. 
and the men that used to run around with hardly any clothes on, they used to block us, they used to torment us, used to hide behind the rocks, and if we ever came there and we ever tried to do anything new, we ever tried to push forward, we ever tried to develop a new end of the town, all those guys, they're now wearing clothes and they're in their right mind and they're completely delivered. Here's the crazy part of this story that doesn't make any sense to me. To my shock as a reader, a town once bound, now free. A people once tormented, now at peace. Come out and do a thing like this. Verse 34, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Once they had heard what had happened to the pigs and to the ferocious demon-possessed men, they come out, the whole town, not a one is left. Not a home is left full. Every, every little home, every little apartment, every man, woman, child leaves their house, leaves their work, and they come out to meet Jesus on the shores of the Gadarenes, and they beg him. Notice that. They beg him. Who else begged him? The demons. The people come out and they beg him and they say, Jesus, leave. Get out of here. We, you get back in your little old boat and you and your guys and you put your little row, your oars back into the ocean and you just row back to wherever you came from because we don't want you here. Why? This makes no sense. Why would not be hoisting Jesus in the air? Why would they not be giving them the keys to the city? Why would they not, to use modern vernacular, be lining up to take a selfie with Jesus? Why would they not want to, you know, be around him and leave their life and follow him? Why would they not be at least worshiping him? Because they had become more comfortable with their demons than with their deliverance. At some point they became more comfortable with opposition and fierceness and violence and oppression and fear. At some point in the life of that town, they became comfortable and used to some doors being closed, some roads never being opened, some areas of life never being explored, purpose never being tapped into, progress never happening, future never unfolding. They were okay with life being unsure, scary, and dramatic because at least they got to keep the pigs. They were okay dealing with their demons because at least the demons let them keep that which was unclean. The devils, despite all their drama, wouldn't mess with their filthy food. Remember the context. We've repeated it three times thus far. Jesus has taught the kingdom of heaven. He has shown and demonstrated his power to testify that his kingdom and his word is true. And then he has said, give me your life. Give up your life. Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. He has just explained the cost of discipleship. And now the people of the Gadarenes are faced with the cost of deliverance. And the cost of their deliverance was the driving away of their filth. And for that people at that time, the cost was just too high. I want to let you know the devil is still at work in the world today. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The devil is called a lion, he is called a serpent, he is called a deceiver, he is called a lawless one, he is a schemer, he is a liar, he is a dragon. I've read the back of the book and I know that Jesus wins and we win. But I want to let you know that we are not there yet. The victory of Calvary does not mean that Satan is still not working feverishly. Pentecost does not mean that he is not trying to fight your pressure points and to gain leverage in your mind and leverage in your emotions and leverage in your habits. I don't say this to make you afraid. I say this because it's real. He's not going to play fair. He will try to trick you. He will lie. He will mock. He will disguise. He seeks to hinder. He seeks to tempt. He seeks to oppose and resist you in all ways to bring every evil, wicked, bitter, nasty thing in your life all to block your progress to keep you from fulfilling your calling to keep doors of anointing and power and blessing and future closed in your life I feel the presence of the Lord he'll seek to oppose young people and young adults He'll seek to stop you from fulfilling the calling that God has and from you becoming the individual that he has destined for you to become. He will seek to stop and oppose the fulfillment of every prayer that you have prayed at an apostolic altar. Every word that has been spoken by your pastor or every word given by the gifts of the Spirit at an altar at an event like this from coming into fruition. He does not play fair. He wants to fight you. But I want to let you know something. There's one thing he'll let you do. He'll let you keep your pigs. The devil will oppose, block, bring fear, bring opposition. He'll do everything he can to keep God's purpose from being fulfilled in your life. But there's one thing he's totally okay. He's okay with you keeping your pigs allow you to keep the unclean stuff in your life the filth the dirt the carnality and the worldliness that rots the soul of the human mind and the human heart and I have found and I know I'm being direct right now but I have found the same tendency in people today as in the people it doesn't matter if it's year 3 AD or 2021 people are people and I have found the same tendency today in people at right now maybe in this room as in the Gadarenes where they would rather live in bondage than let Jesus bring them into deliverance all because we are too attached to our pigs Maybe this is an Ontario problem. I get it. You know, we're weird up there. I, maybe, maybe it's just a big city problem. I live in a city of several hundred thousand in a region of around nine million. Maybe this doesn't happen here in the Atlantic District, but we will put up in the, with the devil because we believe the cost of releasing our sin to be too high. There are people, can you believe it? There will be our, there are people, maybe.
some areas of life being blocked, unexplored, undiscovered, possibilities and callings never realized, potential never being tapped into because at least he won't tell me that we got to get married before, you know, we... At least, let me give you a Bible for this. Your uncleanness is not the food that you eat, but it's living out the desires of your sinful nature. What the Bible calls the works of the flesh. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Can I just be real with you? Is it okay? Because I'm going to let you know that this past 18 months has been too weird for me to come to church and, and like play church. I've decided, I've decided that I'm willing to be less fancy when I speak and be more clear because I believe the hour we're living in right now is very urgent. In other words, In other words, we want deliverance from our demons, but we want to hold on to our pornography. We want the way to be cleared. We want God to give us the future and the family that we desire. But we want to stay bitter at people that have hurt us. We want God to unlock the possibilities of his power and his anointing in our life. But the people that hurt us, we want to think about them every day. And we want to wish really bad things would happen to them. We want the future, but we want to hang on to our bad temper or our gossiping mouth or our wayward mind or our lustful spirit. We want God to fill us with purpose, but we only want to be as committed as we want to be. We want God and our pastor to open up platforms of opportunity. But I don't want to come early. But I don't want to stay late. But give me the job that is most glamorous so that I can post about it on the gram later. Don't ask me to clean the bathrooms. I want purpose. I want anointing. I want the way to be cleared. I want to walk in the calling of God. But I don't want it to hurt. I don't want it to cost me anything. We want the fear to go away, but we want to stay in control of our lives and not fully surrender to Jesus Christ. We want God to fill us with gifts, but we want to live obsessed with living a fake social media-driven life where our emotional highs and lows are driven by hearts and likes and follows. Whether or not someone reposts our story or follows us on TikTok, we want, in other words, we want all that God has while only giving Him part of us. We want to see God open up new ways of living. But we don't want to admit that we are secretly Facebook jealous of our friend's house or their parent's car or our cousin's new job or their new electronic device. We want freedom in the Holy Ghost. But we don't want to admit, young adults, that we are workaholics that rob God, our family, and our church with our, of our best energy because we are too obsessed with buying a house or owning a new car or having money in the bank or taking a very Instagrammable vacation. Hear me, these are our pigs, these are our swine, and the enemy has deceived us because it's small gains for a life of big bondage.
Because what Jesus drove away was unclean for them anyway. They did not need those pigs. Hear me. Whatever you lose in the pursuit of following Jesus, you never need it in the first place. Pornography will never satisfy you. It will poison you. Living a life driven by social media will not fulfill you. It will make you more depressed. It will make you more anxious. It will make you more insecure. Living for money will never fulfill you, young adult, because once you spend it, there's another dollar, there's another house, there's another, hear me, none of these things you ever need in the first place. You don't need those attitudes. You don't need those lusts. You don't need those behaviors. You don't need those habits in your life. They're not good for you. They're not great for you. All those desires and drives that are causing you to compromise on your deepest values. Those are your pigs and your pigs will never nourish you. They'll never help you. They are unclean for you. You may be saying, Adam, I hear what you're saying. But I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have the power. I just sounds good. I clap my hands at all the right moments, like everybody else in my row. And I'll be real with you. I, I've been raising these hogs my whole life. I cannot remember a time where I wasn't jealous. Adam, I can't remember a time all the way back in elementary school where I did not secretly be envious of other people's things. Adam, I can't remember a time where I have not been self-loathing or full of anger. Don't you understand? I was exposed to pornography when I was 10, and I haven't been able to stop, and now I'm 19. Or now I'm 22. This all sounds good. It sounds awesome. It sounds great. But I don't think I can change. I don't think I have it in me. I've heard all these messages before. I've heard that this stuff is bad. But don't you understand? Don't you understand? I don't feel good unless I check my phone. I don't feel affirmed unless I gain new followers. I don't feel good about myself unless someone comments on something that I have posted. I don't feel good unless I get a raise. I don't feel good unless I get those grades. I don't... I can't. This sounds good. But I've been cutting for a few years now, and no one knows it, but it's driving my life. I have lived under a cloud of depression since I've been 12, and I've never been able to shake it. I have been experimenting with drugs and alcohol since the ninth grade and I'm not sure that I can or really want to stop so all of this sounds I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now I have been bound with anxiety since this 
first pandemic thing started. And I don't think I can get out from underneath this fear. I have been fighting suicidal ideation now for six months. And I don't know if I can get out from underneath it. I'm not sure that I can change. Well, I want to let you know the story here tonight. Is that Jesus did not make the town slaughter their own hogs. He drove them away. This is what I'm preaching tonight. Is that Jesus cast out the demons and the swine together. I'm not preaching about human perfection. I'm not preaching that you've got to bootstrap your life. Listen to what Galatians 5.16 says. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is not moralism. This is not about you trying harder. This is not about you getting better. This is about you letting Jesus Christ take control of your life and set you free. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now and give Him praise. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to come to it. The Holy Ghost is here. We're going to cut this short in a few moments. So musicians, please get ready. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Said it's for God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. I will say this again. This is not about you trying harder. This is not about you doing better. This is really about the power of Jesus. He said it's him who will work in you both to do and to will his good. This means he'll give you the desire to flee pornography. This means he'll give you the desire to keep on living and not end your life. This means he'll give you the desire and the power to never touch alcohol or drugs or go back to those websites ever again. It's not about changing on your own. It's not, this is why you need the Holy Ghost. This is why this whole service, as Brother Matt said in the beginning, is about having an encounter with the presence of God because the Holy Spirit will change your desires. The Holy Ghost will change your attitude. The Holy Ghost will refrain what is normal in your mind. The Holy Ghost will give you the power to do what's right. It'll give you the desire to do what's right. Even if you've lived the same way for years. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can undo months worth of damage that you've done to your mind. The Spirit of God in one altar call can undo years worth of bad habits. The power of God that's in this room right now over the next few moments can rewrite the story that you've been telling yourself about yourself and about your family and about your future. There are people in this room you've not lived a day without a panic attack. But Jesus in one he, you can start a brand new tomorrow. You can start a brand new life. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. All you got to do is be open. Guys, all you got to do is be open to this. All you got to do is when the king steps in the room is 
would go away and just let him do his thing. Yes, there's going to be a cost. Yes, there's going to be repentance. Yes, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to give up. Yes, there are some relationships you're going to have to break off. Yes, you're going to have to delete some apps from your phone. You're going to have to have an awkward conversation with your youth pastor about what you've been doing online. But the end result is deliverance. And the end result is future. And it's power. And it's anointing. So my question here tonight as I bring this sermon to a screeching halt is there anybody here that's looking for some deliverance? Is there anybody here that over the past 18 months with all of the things that we've gone through your spiritual life has had some ups but it's also had some downs and you've picked up some attitudes you've picked up some doubts you've picked up some struggles in your mind and you may have picked up some sins along the way and you're in this room right now and as the worship was going out you felt like you couldn't respond because you were racked with guilt because there was a voice in your head telling you that you weren't worthy to be here and that you couldn't do this and that God was done with you and that you had made mistakes and all of this is dumb and you just want to go home and do your own thing and live your own life. You told maybe there's somebody here. You told your mom or dad, I'm going to give this one more shot. Maybe you told a friend, I'm going to give this church thing one more shot and then I'm leaving. I'm out. I'm doing my own thing. I want to let you know deliverance is in the room here today. If you've been fighting depression, if you've been battling anxiety, if addiction has a hold of your soul, if addictions have a hold of your mind, if sin has ravaged you and chained you. Jesus is here to set you free. All you've got to be willing to say is, God, take care of the pigs at the same time. God, take care of my flesh at the same time. Healing is in this room. Deliverance is in this room. you just got to come to a moment of surrender and repentance. The Holy Ghost is in this room right now. The word of faith will be released in just a moment. But God's looking for some young people that will be willing to come to this altar. And they'll be able to say, Jesus, I don't care what gets driven out of my life. I just want to be free. I don't care what things you convict me of in the next few moments. There are no restrictions. There are no boundaries. There's nothing that you're going to touch in my life where I'm going to ask you to leave. That's it. And if you will pray that prayer, and if you'll be that open, the Holy Ghost is going to release healing in this room. The Holy God has felt a heaviness leading up to this event that will be lifted by the time this event is over. If you will just lift your voice up to Jesus right now and begin to call out to Him and say, Lord... Jesus, my life is yours. Jesus, my life is yours. Lord, I want deliverance. And Jesus, whatever gets tossed in the process, I don't care what attitudes have to go. Lord, they're yours. Lord, they're yours. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice as they begin to sing right now.
Hatalaba Yarabo Hoshanda Yarabahasi Atalabahaya. 